This is not the bottom of the barrel night. You may think so, but God is alive and well, and his word is active in our hearts and minds. And so tonight I proclaim that to you. I encourage you with that. And I want to confess that uh, our God is a God in heaven and that Jesus is his only son, that he's alive and well and seated at the right hand of the Father. And we proclaim that tonight here at Temple Baptist Church. Amen. There will be... Thousands of people proclaiming that in Baltimore uh, on behalf of the Southern Baptist Convention. And our pastor is there along with Jason and his wife. And I don't know how they drew that short straw. If you've ever been to the Southern Baptist Convention, there is a whole lot of preaching, a whole lot of singing, and a whole lot of voting, and a whole lot of speeches. Just speech after speech after speech after speech. And it's hard to keep up with what's actually going on. Usually I have to turn to someone and say, what are we voting on now? And you have to vote with the right car. It's very complicated. Uh, so uh, I don't know how they drew that short straw, but I know that they'll go and serve, uh, serve our congregation well. Uh, I'm the college minister here. I don't know if you, you may not have picked up on that. It doesn't say that, you know, where it says Casey Cassie. I'm the college minister. So I'm used to speaking to people with, you know, the attention span of a gnat. Okay, nothing against college students, but they, you know, they come and go quick. You got to keep it hopping or they, they'll, they'll fly right out of the room. They're, you know, they'll be thinking about that biology test or that cute girl or, you know, the, the game that's tonight. Their attention span will just be gone. And so I tend to speak quickly. I tend to move quickly. And so for those of you that may say, Casey, you talk too fast. You move too fast. Your hands move too much. I apologize. But these are the skills and gift that God had given me to communicate to the people that he has called me to communicate to. And so that's what I do. That's who I am. Okay? I don't know if you've ever found this to be true. Have you ever invited someone to a Bible study or to church? And they look at you dead serious. They look at you and they say, I, I just don't want to come and be part of that because... That, there's just a whole lot of hypocrites. And they use that H word. Not the one with the hockey sticks on the end of it, but the hypocrite word. And it flies in the face of us as believers. And what do we do? We often shrink back, right? They say hypocrite and you go, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hypocrites, hippopotamuses. Both of them will sink your boat. It's just, it's hard, it's hard to come back from that, don't you think? When they use that word, hypocrites, it's hard to come back from that. And maybe you're real gifted and articulate and you say, you know what, there's hypocrites in every organization. That's a good response, because there are. But it still causes us to shrink back, I think, as followers of Christ. You know, in, in Jesus' day, the word hypocrite was just a, a really long word for actor. Someone who, who played at something. That wasn't really who they were. They just acted out as though they were that. They were an actor. For you and I today, we would call it playing church. They play church well. And God's word has some, some strong words for those that might be considered hypocrites or actors. So I want you to take your copy of God's word. We're going to be in Matthew 6. 
In Matthew 6, you're coming off of Matthew 5, which is where the Beatitudes are. And then this is the continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. And just in the few short parts of the chapter 5 after the Beatitudes, God is... Uh, Jesus is kind of relaying to us as, as his followers how we are to be in right relationship with each other. Now in chapter 6, he is going to tell us how we are to be in right relationship with him through specific actions, specific activities that are in accordance with our faith, particularly giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. Now, I do not claim to be an expert on any of these, particularly the last one. It is a challenge for me, as though it may be a challenge for some of you. But he's talking about hypocrites here in relation to giving. Giving to the poor. Actors that give to the poor. And he uses words here that I think that you and I will find similar throughout the passage. He uses words of doing this before man, and he uses the word reward, and he uses the word secret in conjunction with all three of these activities. And so let's look at Matthew 6. Beginning in verse 1. Be careful. Not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. This is the capstone verse for this entire chapter. You want to star that in your Bible? This is the capstone verse for this entire chapter. It's all going to flow just like verse 1. Launches into verse 2. So when you give to the needy, not if you do, but so when you do... When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Then probably your Bible has a little subheading prayer. Verse 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. There's that word again, that nasty word. Hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is then how you should pray. And this is the disciples' prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men their fasting. 
I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that no one will know that you are fasting, but only your Father in heaven who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You catch those parallels? Done in secret. Reward you. Don't show it to men. Now, What's strange is, if you look at chapter 5, verse 16, flip back over there, this is what 16 says of chapter 5. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Well, well, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm from North Florida, but I'm confused. So which one should we do? Should we let our actions and deeds shine before men so that people will know that we love our Heavenly Father? Or should we do these things in secret? Well, is this a contradiction? I mean, this is a real difficulty right here. This is not even a chapter apart. But both 16 and chapter 6 point to the same thing. For if we are to have a faith like is mentioned in verse 20 of chapter 5, for I tell you the truth, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. If we are to have a faith greater than that, we have to examine something in relation to giving to the needy prayer and fasting. We need to ask ourselves why we're doing those things and how we're doing those things. So this points to the methods and the motivation. What are the methods that they mention? There are some wrong methods, some wrong methods mentioned in verse 2. Don't tell everyone you're giving to the needy. Hey, I'm giving this poor guy over here. Yep, he's poor. I'm rich. I'm giving to him. Don't do that. I know it may seem confusing, but not everyone needs to know. Only the Father needs to know. That's why you do it in secret. Verse 5, love to pray standing in the synagogues. These are things not to do, misguided methods, if you will. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Does this mean that we are not to stand when we pray? No, this is... Really, Jesus saying that we should not do this for publicity, not that we should not do this in public. Do you see the difference? It's not that we cannot pray in public. It's that we should not seek publicity as we pray in public. My grandfather served in World War II. And uh, he always disliked long prayers before a meal and my uncle was even worse my great uncle was even worse i was challenged one time when i was a young man to eat faster than my great uncle i lost miserably and he was the kind of guy when he got finished eating he pushed his chair back from the table got up and left the room he he went on with his day now i've been criticized amongst our staff when we go and eat staff lunch on Monday because I pray so short, so brief. 
But I believe that here in this passage, I find biblical precedence for a short prayer, especially before our meal. My grandfather, if you started praying a long time, we had preachers over to my grandmother's house all the time. And if the preacher waxed eloquent at the table, my grandfather would start eating. You'd hear clink, clink as he is. And you, you'd look up and he's, he's eating. He said, there's nothing worse than a long prayer over a hot meal, especially when it's your grandmama's cooking. I think we have to examine our methods. Don't keep babbling like the pagans. Verse 7, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. When we pray, we need to remember who we're praying to. I'm not praying so that you can hear or that so that you can think that I walk closely with the Lord. I'm praying to communicate with the one and only God in heaven. We need to be reminded of that as followers of Christ. In verse 16, don't look somber or disfigure your face when you're fasting. Now, some of us, like myself, our face is already horribly disfigured, and so people think we're fasting all the time. No, we are to look well. We are to not let one, one another know when we are fasting. Um, remember when we did the Daniel fast? Remember Dr. Rick had us do the Daniel fast for a little while? Some of the college students took that real seriously. And it was really funny because they would come to church on Wednesday night and they were just like, oh, I'm so hungry. I am so hungry. Why are you hungry? Because I'm fasting. Try to remind them of this verse. But Jesus doesn't just leave us with a whole bunch of don'ts. He gives us some do's as well. Verse 3, we are to what? Verse 3, look there with me. Verse 3. For when you get to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that, you give, so that your giving may be in secret. We are to give in secret. Verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in heaven. In verse 17, clean up. Don't look so somber. And those are some methods. Now, even beyond methods, it seems as though Jesus is pointing to motives. Why you and I would do these things. And so, Casey, I don't really struggle with being holier than thou. No one calls me sister better than you. What are your motives for teaching that Sunday school class? What are your motives for being in that Bible study? This is one that I deal with when working with college students. What is your motivation for putting that passage of Scripture and the page-long commentary on it on Facebook? Is that for you or is that for God? Don't even get me started with Twitter. As though all of us have become theologians in the college area as a result of 160 characters. How much theology can I cram into 160 characters on Twitter? 
What's your motivation? What's my motivation? It seems as though for many of us, if we are to fall into the category of actors, that our motivation would be to please man and not God. Now, that's a tough pill to swallow. But I have a pretty good, a pretty easy test for us this evening. Think about when you relay, when you tell someone that you're in a Bible study or that God is doing X or Y in your life or he's teaching you this or that, do you look for a comparison? Do you find yourself constantly telling everyone around you what God is teaching you? Because then there will be nothing in secret because you've told everyone. I'm a firm believer that God teaches us stuff so that he can teach us specifically. There are some things that God teaches you and I that are not meant to be shared necessarily with the entire congregation. In secret. When you pray, go to your closet, close the door, and in secret. The word there for the room that they're describing there, which says go, and your Bibles may say inner room, and close the door. You get this idea that this room has no windows. It's probably a cellar, if you will. And in ancient times, that room would hold treasures. That's where the family would hide their valuables because there would only be one door in. And it seems that Jesus is kind of telling the followers that so that he can remind them that there are greater treasures in the secrecy between God and man than there are between man and man. So I want you to think about it like show and tell. You remember that when you were a little kid? Show and tell? You'd you'd grab some obscure thing from the house or from your dad's tool shed or from your grandpa's closet and you would bring it and you would tell a story as to what it is. Did Did you hear about the little uh, Baptist boy that was part of show and tell? Now, this is very telling of us as Baptists. Teacher told all the students in the classroom, go home and get something that would relay what religion you are when you come back to school the next day. So they went home and little Jewish boy brought a star of David and said, I'm Jewish and this is a star of David. A little girl named Mary brought, that's ironic, brought a book of catechism, said, I'm Catholic. This is, this is what we read. A little Baptist boy said, I don't really know what this is, but is it everything we do is Baptist? It's a casserole dish. What are your motives? 
Show and tell. We are to show. We are to show when we are tempted to hide. And we are tempted to hide. We must show. I think it comes down to who are you trying to magnify? When you tell someone what you're studying in your Bible study, is it more about what you're learning or who you're learning about? When God gives you a passage of Scripture, when he asks you to go on a mission trip, is it more about what God is going to do in your life or what you are going to do for the kingdom? With college students, there's a lot of satire. You may not have picked that up. There's a lot of sarcasm. And one of the trends in college ministry is, and it's actually, I think it even has a Facebook page totally devoted to it, and it's go on a mission trip and change your Facebook profile for life. Because students go on these mission trips and there are pictures of them and they're hugging this child or this person of another ethnicity from around the world. And that's always their fallback to their profile picture, which is the main picture on their Facebook page. So when you look at their Facebook page, that is what you would see. And it is not necessarily true that that picture, that trip, has truly changed their life. What is your and I motivation for being a part of Temple Baptist Church? Is it so that the kingdom of God would be spread not only in Ruston, but in Louisiana and around the country and around the world? Is that our motivation? Do we really believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only son of the living God? Is that our motivation? Or is it something more self-serving. If we're not careful, notice the verse 1, be careful. If we are not careful, we will continue to worship the God that man has always worshipped. We will worship ourselves. And we will say that we are worshipping God, Yahweh God. And the whole time, we are worshipping ourselves. Because we have not been careful. We could stand here and sit here and reflect on Matthew 6, 1. And I think that the challenge for each one of us would be different. Some of us are Sunday school teachers. And we may have to have an honest conversation with ourselves. Why do I teach that class? Is it to serve the Lord or to serve myself? Ask yourself who's getting the glory. Do you live for that pat on the back? That good job teaching this morning. 
Or do you live for those moments in your quiet time of study on Monday and Tuesday when God's word wrecks your soul? I think that for us as followers of Christ, if our methods for right living were correct, were right, and our motives were right for right living, that the righteousness of the Pharisees would be accomplished in greater, greater number for you and I, because Christ would clothe, would clothe our filthy rags with his righteousness. I want to encourage you to think about this passage. I hope you'll go home and maybe reread it. The reward, you saw it mentioned there several times. We do get a reward. And the follower of Christ, that's a closer walk with God. For those of us that are not walking with the Lord, that's the praise of man. I hope that you will not be religious, but that you will be in right relationship with Jesus Christ. That your methods would be right. Your motivation would be pure. And that right living or righteous living would come easy. Because, again, your motives are right and your methods are right. Because then you will magnify. You will magnify the Father. And that is what we are called to do as followers of Christ. I want to have a time of prayer. I ask Miss Margie to come. I know Lloyd's going to come in just a little bit as we have a commissioning to do. But I hope this word has challenged you. I hope that uh, no one will bill you as an actor. Let's pray. Lord God, we don't want to be long this evening. We just ask for your spirit to be upon us. Lord, for each individual in this room to examine themselves, Lord, just to ask a simple question, why am I serving the Lord? And how am I serving the Lord? Is it for me? Or is it for you? Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves. To not let the pressures of this world dictate the faith of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.